Welcome to the Privateer Podcast, an educational and informational podcast brought to you by the folks at Privateer Rum. I'm Maggie Campbell. I'm the president and head distiller at Privateer. And today I'm chatting with Don Davies, master of wine and absolute incredible, amazing woman at Whiskey Exchange. Uh, And we talk all things rum, all things spirits, all things professional tasting, how we approach professional tasting, as well as hint at some really cool projects we have coming up together. Thank you guys. I hope you enjoy. Hey, Don, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really excited. I'm really excited. Everyone's getting a chance to hear you on the podcast. Um, you are a central figure in the rum world, also the whiskey world, also the wine world. Um, (laughs) it's pretty incredible. And I love that, you know, the way that we both talk about rum and share our love of rum because we share that background in, in wine and whiskey to me, to a different extent than you do. Uh, it's really, really always a pleasure. So for folks who don't know you, uh, would you introduce yourself real quick? Absolutely. Well, I mean, Maggie, first of all, thank you for, actually, thank Meredith for for inviting me to your podcast. I love it. I love it. I'm like, I'm very self-conscious about asking people to be on. Like, is it annoying to be like, hey, be on my podcast? But then like, people seem pretty happy about it. So I always appreciate like Meredith's like knows this and she's like, Maggie, you need to have, you need to have So I was like, you want to listen to me? Oh my God, did you not have enough after 24 hours of black spot? <laughs> no, I'm super, and, you know, I love you to, like, to the moon and back. And yeah, we do have so much in common, which is slightly scary. And, and we can talk about that in a bit. But so um, my name is Don Davies. I am the head buyer for the Whiskey Exchange, um, which means I buy all of the spirits, all of the wine, all of the champagne. I also run the events team and I also manage the shop team. So three for the price of one. Um, which I love. Yes, it's I the sound of me snapping. <laughs> <laughs> You're amazing. <laughs> um, my background's actually wine. Uh, so I was a sommelier first and foremost. I was one of the first female sommeliers in the UK. Um, I opened Zuma and then I went to Boxwood with Gordon Ramsay. I went to the square and then I opened and ran the Ledbury for two years and then I joined Selfridges as their head buyer for about nine. So I've been in the industry, I even say 10 years. So past 10 years, we're about 20 years in now. (laughs) That's kind of me in a nutshell. I just kind of like booze. What more can I say? I love it. I absolutely love it. And then I love to kick off also telling people how it is we met. And correct me if I'm wrong, but we met through MW really before the rum world. Is this right? Oh my God. It was with Michael Vashon. That's right. Oh, shout out Michael Vashon. We love you. Uh, I'm going to go see him on 3rd of September, which is super exciting because I haven't seen Craig. Uh, So I'll give him hugs from you. And he, we were talking, like we were out having a drink or something and he was talking he goes, oh, a friend of mine who you'd love, Maggie, who's doing her MW. And, you know, I was like, oh my God, tell the girl to just email me. I'll, you know, and I just passed or I'd not long passed mine. And, you know, it's like, get Maggie to just call me because, or mail me, and I'm super happy to help her. And I think he just put us in touch, and, like, then we just started mailing, and then we were, I was like, you're a distiller? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, you're, like, the whiskey exchange dog? 
<laughs> yeah. So for folks who don't know, uh, Michael Vachon is like a amazing mover and shaker, tasteful, amazing man with an amazing wife uh, yeah. who live in the UK. They're they're, you know, he's Canadian, American, British, so he's a uh, very multicultural, but uh, he's an expat from here. Uh, and whenever I go over to London to study for the Masters of Wine, which our shorthand is MW, uh, I would stay with him at his house. And that's right. He was like, no, no, you would love Don. And he said the exact same thing. And so he lives in Rockville, Maryland, which I grew up in Rockville, Maryland for a bit. So like, the world is like a big circle of love. <laughs> so yeah, I started talking to you about wine and wine tasting notes. For people who don't know, the Masters of Wine, the Institute of Masters of Wine is an organization. And to join the organization, you first have to qualify to even <laughs> try to apply through this testing process. So if you want to join studying, for the Masters of Wine, you first have to have a WSET diploma. So that's already a couple years worth of work. You then have to take an exam to get entrance. I was very lucky. On my entrance exam, they asked about uh, sterilization and cleanliness in uh, like a production, <laughs> production operation. And I was like, let me tell you about like <laughs> different PAA acid solutions for sterilizing surfaces to inhibit bacterial infection of fermentations, let me tell you. Uh, so I was really lucky I got like a very technical production question because as a distiller, I knew all the answers to that. Uh, and then once you enter the program, you study for a year, you take an exam that tells you whether or not you're allowed to continue studying. If you pass that exam, then you're allowed to try and sit the final exams. One is four days of essay writing and the other is three days of tasting and so blind tasting and Fine. it's not like tell me like they don't give you a glass and they're like oh what grape is it from where they are like describe the role of yeast in that glass and you're <laughs> like okay um where high well when what where what who produced it what vintage what was the climate like you know, right. Discuss the quality. How was it made? What type of oak? What was the role of oak? Discuss the role of blending. Is it a blend of grapes? Is it a blend of vintages? Is it a blend of like, but they don't tell you, you have to just know it all from tasting it, guys. So. And you do tastings <laughs> of 12 wines each and it is, it's pretty brutal. And I consider myself a decent taster, you know, like I can taste. I was a song for <laughs> years I think I can taste uh, and I literally I failed every time until the last time and I, I, I was like I failed my theory I mean Maggie passed theory in about 0.5 seconds because Maggie is like fucking smart I was really lucky that I passed the four days of essays first try like I was like wait what just happened what just happened it gave me false hope though I'll say <laughs> I was like I can't I'm not smart enough to pass theory and I'm I should be smart enough or good enough to pass tasting, but I'm not even good enough to do that. I used to just cry. I cried for seven years, seven years of tears. It was a beautiful moment. <laughs> yeah, I actually have, I actually have a handkerchief that's embroidered with the word curtains because <laughs> Phil Tuck, the, the chief examiner for my first formative years in the MW, he would always say, oh, that's curtains. 
if you um, said something stupid in class, he would be like, curtains. Like, I, as in the exam is over for you, you are failed, get out of the room. And I, like, so I have a handkerchief I cry into that says curtains. <laughs> I think we should not speak about Philip Tuck. Oh yeah, we. <laughs> something else, if someone can think of the word tuck, yeah. and then change that a little bit. Um, <laughs> I remember the first time I did this tasting and like, he gave us this burgundy. So, okay, for all you people that are just not wine people and Okay, Burgundy is like the mecca of all things great in wine, uh, with Nebbiolo, of course. And essentially, it was a red Burgundy from a very, very hot vintage. So it was fucking hot. The wine was like super souped up. It was really jammy. It was it was freaking disgusting, frankly. So I was like, this is a Chilean Pinot Noir. <laughs> Which one? Everyone has done. Just to be clear, everyone has done. <laughs> everyone. And he turned around, he was like, and it was one of his wines. Oh he, no. Why did you even go there? Why would you say that? And I was like, because it's super jammy and horrible. There's no texture. There's no, and it's not a very good quality wine. And he, he was just like, you will never pass. Never, never pass. <laughs> because you clearly have not tasted enough burgundy, good burgundy, no burgundy in your life. And I was like, no, I've just had too much good burgundy. <laughs> you this is why i love you that would be very for folks at home that would be very untoward thing to say so i have many phil tuck quotes like in like a little like file on my computer that i saved but one of my favorite was uh someone missed a salta cab so people you've probably never heard of the region of salta right like because only really geeky white people have yeah and someone missed it and he goes this is classic 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 salta cabernet you better learn it and i'm like does classic salta cabernet exist what the fuck and then i remember one time someone missed acidity and he was like clearly if you cannot taste this is 3.2 ph you need to get it together and i was like we're supposed to be able to taste ph within like a decimal like wow uh it's an intense process for folks who don't know it's intense it's challenging you learn a lot. I remember on my first day, actually, I was just texting this student the other day. I became friends with this student because they had Mr. Burgundy calling it Chianti. And I remember the MW uh, standing over him and going, best damn Chianti I ever had. Like in a very <laughs> demanding, aggressive voice. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> what did I do? Why did I do this? <laughs> So I'm probably one of the more alternative MWs out there that's like super brutal and not really MW-like at all. Which is um, why I love you. <laughs> we need more people like me, like you. you know? <laughs> so everyone email Maggie Atkins and say, get back on the fucking horse and pass this. She's gonna pass it. I know because she's an awesome taster. Her tasting notes are just a little long. They are long. They are long. I'm like a very flowery, special snowflake who has really unique things to say. <laughs> no one in the UK knows what a fucking builder is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I definitely, like, things are up in the air, as you know, with everything going on. But uh, I think I'm going to apply for another year, uh, for sure. So we appreciate that nudge. But yes, always keep, always be nudging. So we started our relationship off sort of exchanging wine tasting notes. Um, and it's funny because I think people don't understand how much that experience can make you understand other spirits, 
other food, other drink, like in such a meaningful way. Do you use it every day in rum and whiskey and spirits? You know, it's really, really interesting. I mean, considering I hadn't done, I, I liked spirits and, you know, I always had nice spirit lists in my restaurants because I was genuinely interested in taste and everything. I didn't really know. I was just like, you know, I like this taste, mm-hmm. you know, I'll list it in a spirits and I want a nice spirits list. I never really kind of thought about it. It was kind of like an afterthought, uh, which is one of the things I really want to do in my life is really bring the wine world and the spirit world together because they have so much to offer each other. And I don't want to go into a bar and have a shit glass of wine any more than I want to go into a restaurant and have a shit glass of whiskey. So, you know, like I really want to do that. It's something I'm super passionate about. But it was really interesting because I started doing spirits more at Selfridges because I was the wine and spirits buyer. So, you know, I had to learn, you know, I was like, Dave Broom, who, if you guys don't know Dave Broom, you have to fucking love this man. He's amazing. He's such a character. I get such a kick out of him. He's such like, a hoot. Zoom with him half of today, just trying to sort out some shit. But, like, he was the one that kind of taught me whiskey and was like, you know, you need to look at these distilleries. And, these, you know, and, and there was loads of people in the spirit industry that were super, like, open. And that's what I love about the industry. You know, people want to teach you. More so than in wine, actually. I think wine's a little less open with their knowledge. And I, I remember like one of my wine producers came and actually when I was here, one of my wine guys who I've got a very good relationship with and we, we taste really well together. And I've been doing spirits for about, God, almost like nine years. And he goes to me, your palate is better now on wine tasting than it was before. And it's really interesting. My spirit tasting notes are so in depth now because actually spirits are much easier they give you everything quicker they oh my gosh yeah the the opening and like there's just i also feel like there's less there there are less components to consider uh and it is like it's very immediate it's i can taste once set the glass down come back and taste it and i'm good whereas I'll be taking an exam for the Masters of Wine. I will taste a wine and be like, oh, this is a really simple broad commercial style Chardonnay. And then I pick it up five minutes later and the fucking thing opened. And I'm like, this is crazy premium, super nice Grand Cru. Fuck, I have to rewrite everything. Uh, Whereas spirits, like you said, like it's- reason why. (laughs) (laughs) We'll work on that next time. We shall. We shall, we shall. But yeah, exactly. It's like spirits, like you said, it's very there. Um, Immediate. But I do think it really, I think when you're someone that tastes everything, and I taste everything, like, I, I can't, like, smell is, like, my, my, everyone laughs at me because I'll be like, did you smell that? And everyone's like, no. Oh, no. oh like, yeah really obvious what you're talking about and in you know like it's your life it's your life we were on a walk the other day and we were half a mile from the local school and I go oh my god they're gonna open the local school and I was walking with my brother-in-law he's like what are you talking about I'm like do you smell that do you smell the fresh paint they're painting the school they're gonna open the school guys because there's like a private school down the road and I was like and we walked over to the school and they were painting the fucking school but I was like, half a mile away, I was like, oh, they're going to reopen the local private school. Like, I just know it because it's, you can't turn it off. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, I mean, it drives my parents insane because I'll, like, be sitting at dinner and, like, I'll take my water and I'll be like, and my mom's it's necessary. Yeah. <laughs> it's natural. <laughs> it just happens. I'm sorry. This tonic, I don't know about the mineral load. What are the total dissolved solids? 
it's got to be this. Hilltuck would say it was this. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) It is so funny. I think, you know, like when you when you look at food and, and, you know, bearing in mind, I grew up in restaurants. Restaurants were my thing for nine years. You know, I'm super lucky to have worked with some of the best chefs in the UK, you know, it's insane. My friends always say the piss, but I'm like, yeah, Angela. And they're like, Angela Hartnett. I'm like, yeah. You know. Yeah. Marcus, Marcus Waring. Yeah, I think, but right. it's just really an asshole. It's just you just worked with these people. So they're people you've known like all your life. And yeah, you know, they, they become part, they teach you so much about food. And you know, I mean, food is my second favorite love after booze. And my cat, actually. Maybe it goes cat, booze, food. See, this is why we get along beautifully. It's like my cat's spaghetti, booze, food, food and wine. Yeah. And spaghetti looks just like Percy, my cat. So it's like I you- know. Oh, my God. I love it. And then we both have, like, the baking connection. It's unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> in arms. <laughs> oh, you could say sister in arms. And we'll get to that. Uh, in a little bit, which I'm excited about. But yeah, like studying for the MW, like learning how the temperature of wine, like a cellar environment that a wine is aged in, affects the flavor of it as it ages. And then tasting a, a rum aged in a cellar, you get like so many of the same chemical interactions. A cold ferment tastes like this. A warm ferment tastes like this. Wild yeast take like this. Inoculated yeast tastes like this. Like, it's the same. And you can pick it up the same. It's taught me how to rip apart the DNA of a spirit as soon as I taste it in a way that, like, I never could have achieved it had I not gone through the crucible that the Masters of Wine is as far as, like, technical specs. I mean, even just packaging. If people understood how much we have to learn about packaging to pass the MW, like, don't ask me why we use natural corks. You will get like a five-hour <laughs> seminar. <laughs> but you know, like, that's the thing. Yeah, you kind of look at spirits, and and I always think my spirit knowledge is shit. But so much translate. So you know, it's really funny. I suddenly realized, like, someone we talking, uh, like, and when we did Black Touch Twenty Four Hours, that was kind of one thing. So I was suddenly like, Ooh, hold on, hold on. There's a question. There's a, and then I bring in some totally geeky question. And it, it was nothing to do with my knowledge of spirits. It was all to do with my knowledge of wine, suddenly thinking, oh, hold on, if that happened. The funniest was me and Dave Broom with malolactic fermentation or mala or lactic fermentation. Cause I was like, we were talking about in, in wine, if you're talking about malolactic fermentation, you're talking about taking your apple acids, your malic acids and converting them to a lactic acid, which is your milk acid. So actually in wine, you're reducing acidity. And Dave Broom and I had a two and a half year debate about why i was like but i don't understand you you're you're reducing acids in in spirits if you go through mallow and he was like mm. and eventually he went to suntory he was like okay we need some help here <laughs> <laughs> yeah because secondary yeah you don't have the mallow acids in the spirit you can't be reducing alcohol because you're adding your your mallow your malolactic is actually increasing your lactic acids which is increasing acid and it was just like I was like, Dave was like, we have to stop having these conversations. Yeah. <laughs> when I talk about fermentation in spirits, I talk about primary and secondary fermentation because it's such a more, it is, it explains it chemistry correctly. And it's just so easy to explain that way. But I absolutely remember sitting in a wine class in like 2009 
and it clicking like, oh, all the bacterial conversions I'm reading about in rum from the Caribbean, it's secondary fermentation. Got it. <laughs> it was just so easy to understand. Like it's not reinventing the wheel um, because there are so many research institutes in wine and there is so many books like the Oxford Companion to Wine I use for spirits all the time, like especially like the entries on oak, the obvious stuff, but also like some of the other stuff is really important as well. Um, and when especially like, you know, you get really geeky into geosmin and when is like the minerality note on a spirit a good thing and when did someone's grain for their whiskey go bad and it tastes like wet dirt, you know, like when is it good and when is it bad? Same with sulfur. So, oh my God, I'm going to send you the list of things we're doing for a virtual whiskey show because you will, you will be like, I am joining some of these because they're so oh, yeah. We're doing good sulfur versus bad sulfur. Yes. Oh, this is amazing. I am convinced there is massive sulfur problems in barrels in so many spirits. I am. So like, I have written a couple articles on this. Which okay, people, please don't go Google these and send me hate mail. I have gotten so much hate mail from like people who just want to ignore the problem. Like in my industry, like yeah. we know it's a problem. We know, especially using wine casks for mm -hmm. finishing. Oh, so, so in the Masters of Wine, you have to learn what can be observed at what rate in what concentration, because you have to be able to say these things. So as, you know, as Dawn and I know, in a crisp acidic white wine, you might have 200 parts per million of sulfur and not pick it up. But yeah. if your pH drops to 6.8, which is where some spirit, where most spirits are, you pick it up at one or two parts per million. So yeah. if the wine was treated with sulfur, if the barrel was treated with sulfur, you are sulfur damaging your spirit. And in a, in a little amount, it might just mute the nose. Like there's some dessert wine age stuff out there that like the nose is just really muted. And I'm like, I thought I'd like this more. Why isn't it very flavorful? It doesn't have any flavor all the way down to this smells like rotting cabbage in a matchstick and I can't handle okay. it. Maggie, would you like to join our panel? Because yes! I have <laughs> I have like, oh my God, the first article I wrote on this, it must have been like four years ago. And I made the mistake of putting it in a craft spirits magazine. And oh my God, the mail I got of like, you shouldn't be bringing this up. I'm like, this is a technical oh, magazine for technical distillers. And this is educating and they just don't want to hear it. And it's like, we know it's a problem. You're making shit spirit. I mean, look, if you want to like, okay, like more that or something like, I don't know, only where you're deliberately putting, you're, you're getting sulfur through the character of the spirit, but it's like a, it's like a meatiness, which is great. I like a little meatiness sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. if it was totally absent of sulfur, we wouldn't, it, like that little bit turns your brain on and gets you thinking, but as soon as it passes that threshold, and I totally it's good. And I'm like, out. And it, it, and it, it, it can't get past it. And you if know, you weren't trained in wine, you might not recognize it. You know something's not right, but you can't nail it. And this is why we love Richard Seal, because Richard Seal is trained in wine. I don't think people know his secret wine life, uh, <laughs> but he's really well-trained in wine, and he's one of the people who uses these things judiciously and well, and there is a difference. And, oh, no, I love that you're doing this. I'm so excited for your whiskey show. Uh, We've hinted at Black Todd a few times. So for anyone who missed it, Don and Mitch put on the greatest of all time. Do you want to recap what the Black Todd 24 Hours was for people who might have missed it? Because it was incredible. Um, it kind of, so 
my partner in crime, Mitch Wilson, who's the Black Tot ambassador and who is my best friend. Like we've become best friends in six months. It's insane. Like like we're inseparable. Now he's in Amsterdam. Like where are you, Mitch? <laughs> um, we just got really good friends. We were just like we just clicked instantly the moment we met. And and the funny thing is, I don't even particularly like Black Tot as a rum. It's like I just don't even really love. I mean, like, it's a nice rum, but I'm I'm not like wow. And so he was told that he had to basically get me on side. So Mitch, Mitch is the most charming man in the planet. So he was like, yeah, I'm going for it. And but we just got friends and we were both talking. I think we were both talking about something. We wanted to do something for the industry. Actually, it started off that we wanted to raise money for the industry. And we thought, let's do a 24 hour tasting. And that's where it started. And everyone in the business was like, no, no, no. And then sort of Black Tot, the 50th anniversary came round and, you know, we were still talking about doing something for it. And then Mitch and I were like, well, why don't we bring back this 24 hour idea? Um, I mean, it seemed super simple in the beginning, you know, like a few tastings, 24 hours. And also Mitch and I, in the meantime, had developed something called Sugar Cane and Champagne, um, which is Mitch and I's Instagram. Um, account, which now he's in Amsterdam, we need to figure out how we do it still because it's like a little crazy and it's us doing champagne and sugar cane because it's the two things we love. And like, so we just sort of started talking about how we do it. And then like I said, okay, look, let me email a few people and see if they'd be willing to do a tasting here and there and do some panels. And, and I just remember at the point where I was like, oh my God, we've got some freaking insane people on this path, suddenly it was like, this is no longer a joke. This is actually fairly amazing. I mean, I was looking at the list and I was just like, okay, I'm kind of scared now because this is like pretty awesome. Um, so we did 24 hours, we did panels, we did tastings, we did daiquiris with, I mean, we had so much fun. It was insane. Like just some of the best people talking about rum and, and you know for us what we really wanted to do is we wanted to bring the world of rum together and I think that was something that we were super passionate about is the in spirits you know we we know how close we are as a family whether it's rum whether it's whiskey whether it's dare I say gin but you know if you love, <laughs> if you love whiskey or spirits take gin out of it yeah. um, <laughs> you naturally get on with people and and I think we just felt like you know in these times when we can't meet together physically this was a way of bringing us all together um and just having a bit of fun but learning and you know still you can go if you go to Black Tot's YouTube channel you can still watch all those things and you have to watch the Dundercats because it's the funniest Jamaica and the Dundercats. That's all I'm going to say. Basically, I cried for like 45 minutes with laughter. <laughs> <laughs> like you get like your tummy, your little tummy workout. You're like, my stomach hurts. I need was, to stop laughing. It was brilliant. I mean, I I know that we're going to try and do it again because it was just so much fun. And I, you know, and I think we we can do more with it. And you know, I think we had a lot of fun with it, and it was just something really cool. So yeah, it was. 24 hours, we stayed up. And then we went to trailer and partied for another 
I don't know, I left at 6.30 in the evening. So I'd been up at seven o'clock the day before. You were up for like a day and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I got a lovely FaceTime call and I wish I had screen recorded it because it was beautiful. <laughs> you were a bit delirious and I loved it. It reminded me of the video of us singing in the wine cellar in London <laughs> to uh, Prince's Kiss. <laughs> yeah. Yes, after a long delirious day at UK Rum Fest, um, which was wild. So, and now you have your upcoming whiskey show, which you just mentioned a little bit about. It sounds so amazing. Will you tell me everything? Okay, so I, I didn't think 24 hours was enough. Um, <laughs> So I thought, um, so we had to cancel Physical Whiskey Show, which I was absolutely gutted about because it's one of the biggest whiskey shows in the world. You know, we put a lot of time and effort. It takes us a year to plan. And, you know, luckily kind of when coronavirus started hitting, I was like, do you know what? I'm going to do partial virtual and partial thing because I, I kind of wanted something that really is, I, I, I like to be the first to kind of really go and do things a little crazy and a little, you know, like let's break the mold, let's not be fucking boring and like just do the same shit every time. And so we looked into virtual platforms and we're not doing Zoom, we're not doing StreamYard. We've actually contracted a proper events company online. So it's a conference center online. Um, so stands, so brands can have stands that they operate out of. We're gonna have stages where we can do various different talks all the way through. It started out, I was going to do 30 tasting packs. So everything's got a tasting, not everything, but a lot of the um, product, uh, tastings have, or sessions have tasting packs with them. Uh, I was going to do 30 tasting packs. Um, so I was going through it with Dave Brum today. I have about 80 tasting packs and counting. Oh. Holy shit. So people can get on the whiskey exchange and order these little um, sampler packs that go with the seminar. Yes. That is amazing. And then we've got in total, we'll probably have over a hundred different sessions where you can go on, you can learn. So you can be geeky enough to do good sulfur, bad sulfur. I'm doing something on the casks management to things like Richard Seal's going to do a talk. Joy's coming back. Yeah. Which I'm so excited about. Um, Beyondy is going to do uh, Dunder versus Saramash, which is going to be super cool. So we're going to have some pictures and Beyondy on doing. He doesn't know that. Actually, no, I did vaguely ask him. Vaguely, it's out there. Yeah, yeah. Dunder uh, back set is back set. Dunder discuss. I love good. it. Um, so like super geeky stuff, and of course, because with Whiskey Show, we we introduce rum because me and Skinder are so passionate about it and we wanted to do rum in the whiskey show and we do pure rums. Um, so, you know, we've got Appleton joining us. We've got Mount Gay, of course, with Miguel, hopefully Tridia, um, back again. And of course, Hamden and things like that. So, you know, we, we, we've done, we've done some really cool things like, and then also really fun packs. Like I've just done a whiskey and popcorn and a rum and popcorn pairing, which is just insane. That and sounds amazing. And so we didn't decide 24 hours. We thought we would do seven days. Oh, wow. So keeping it light, very chill, not demanding, very relaxing. I'm excited for this, though. No, it's insane. Over 100 talks, over 50 producers. 
I feel like I can just book my whole week off for this and it'll feel like a vacation because I live in America and I'm not going on vacation anytime soon. (laughs) (laughs) I'm with you. (laughs) But it is really, really amazing. And it's not just like another Zoom chat, which I think a lot of people are kind of worried about. It's really properly insane. And we're actually doing a demo next Wednesday um, for customers just so they can kind of get a feel for it. But yeah, I'm kind of scared as well though because 100 tastings... And there's three of us pretty much doing most of it. So Dave Broom's hosting, myself and Billy Abbott, who's one of our, our amazing rum guys, of sort of rum sort of brand ambassadors for spirits in general. It's amazing knowledge. Um, he was the guy behind 24 Hours, one of my, the tech guys that stayed up the whole night with us. Oh my the- gosh, that team was amazing. Insane. They were incredible. Insanely good. Oh. So yeah. Yeah, and then I've got Champagne Show, which will do the same. So, yes! Oh my God, I'm so excited. <laughs> I, I like to give myself fairly easy things to do amongst buying and managing shops. This is why we are the type of people who are like, we're going to do the MW. Like, there are just people out in the world who really like to do really wild shit and it's like fun and invigorating and energizing and that's not for everyone and that's okay. But I'm like, yeah, I'm going to run this, this TV show, Treacherous Waters, while I also run a company and also do all these events. And then I'm going to be on the board of these like other things like WSET and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, the ACSA, it'll be fun. I've got time. It's cool. Cause like, I love that. Like that gives me energy. And I see that in you that you're like, okay, let's have a wild vision. Let's express creativity. And like, we can fucking do it guys. We can do it. Um, and I think that's so important. That's so awesome. That's why I love you. And I think, you know, we were probably classic overachievers and we're probably psychologically damaged for life, but you know, like I kind of feel if I'm not in the shit, there's something wrong. <laughs> right, right. It's so funny. People are like, oh, were you that person in high school who did everything? I was like, no, I thought high school was stupid. I did letter in theater. I was in debate club. I was in competitive poetry. I did do improv. And I also did like three plays. But yeah, no, I thought it was stupid. I didn't do extra shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, and you kind of look at it and I was like, you know, with university and stuff, because I wasn't, I'm, I'm not an intellectual, you know, I'm very creative and I'm, you know, but I, but in, intellectually, I'm freaking stupid. Like maths, I can't do maths. I'm a buyer. I can't do maths. You're, like, you're super smart and intelligent, but the like regurgitating memorized stuff is like not as compelling. You're all about like the active real world. Same with me. I'm in it. I'm in it. And you know, like you, you do think, and I was like, yeah, you know, I went to university, I held down a full-time job and I played on the rugby team, the netball team, and yeah, yeah, I studied. <laughs> <laughs> and then I went drinking till four in the morning every day. <laughs> yeah, you got to have a full plate. Yeah, and it's like, that can be just as healthy as the person who's like, you know, I really have to take time with things and I really can only focus on one thing at once. And like, good for them, everyone is different. I tend to be like, I think one of the things that like the reason I have what I have in my life is because I was like, oh, I can do that. And like whatever gave me that, you know, (laughs) self-indulgent belief, (laughs) thank goodness for it. Because it's like, oh, yeah, I could do that. Like I saw someone distilling in the town of Oban and I was like, oh, it's a job people do. I could do that. That that, that looks easy. I was like 20. It's fine. It was like 16 years ago. (laughs) You're so young. 
<laughs> I am. I am still so young. I'm trying to enjoy it. My husband is nine years older than me, so I'm like, it's not that big of an age difference, but it's just enough to make me feel like, oh, I'm young. <laughs> yeah, you are, girl. Like, I am well ahead. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So uh, you and I have some fun stuff coming up. Um, I don't want to like blow up your scene, but we, we did taste some stuff together. I sent you a little care package over there in the UK and we got on a zoom call and cause of our like similar backgrounds, like I had so much fun tasting with you. It was unbelievable. It was, the, it was one of the funniest tastings because Mitch, of course, my partner in crime had to jump on. I mean, like not like, of he, course. <laughs> like, and then there were flamingos involved, of course. There was palm trees involved, of course. You know, this all went a little bit pear-shaped. <laughs> so fucking interesting. And it was really, you know, the weird thing is, like, we've met once physically. We've had dinner once, yeah. I know, insane. And, you know, it was just like, we've talked a lot about it. And I never even tried your rums, which I think is absolutely crazy. And... I was just like, but you know, I need some of those. I know I'm gonna like them because I like Maggie, so of course I'm gonna like her product. Um, and we got samples, and I was like, you know, I looked at the labels, and yeah, we won't talk too much about what was on them. But what was so amazing was we sat down and started tasting, and I kind of Andrew, who's um, the owner of Privateer, who's amazing. I love him. Oh, I love him. I'm so glad you mentioned him. I feel like the rest of the team at Privateer is so important. And I feel like very few people get to know them. But yeah, Andrew's amazing. I'm so glad. He's like, he's like, Donna's incredible. I love her. I'm like, I know. <laughs> and, you know, he'd kind of been back weaving back and forth and stuff. And he'd be like, what do you want? And I was like, I would like this. And I was really quite specific about kind of my tasting and what I wanted flavor-wise. And, and Sikin and I are very keen on... We, we find new oak can sometimes be badly managed. So we often like to see new oak and, and sort of aged or, or second fill or first fill or second fill, sorry, refill. And I said, you know, do this. And, and he's like, oh, just can I throw some of this in? And I was like, look, whatever you guys want, I'm going to be super excited. But this is what I like. I like fruit. You know, whatever you send me, I want fruit. You know, think of it. Every time I say it to people, I like, think of it like I like Bionier, you know, like give me fucking fruit. And we tasted, and what I thought was so freaking awesome, and that really made me kind of, I mean, the tasting was just brilliant because you know you give us such amazing detail and technical side of it and things and that was super interesting, but we literally tasted barrels that were pretty much a month apart in age. And the difference was insane. Yeah. Insane. You know, that's when you start getting excited because you're like, this is, this is cool. This is cool shit. And I, I and we picked two actually very different products in the end. Um, yes. Say two. Did I say two? Did, did we mention that there were two special custom selected cats coming? Maybe we did. I may have just let the cat out the bag. <laughs> um, yeah, we have two cats coming. We won't tell you too much about them because we want some surprises. We'll, we'll have some reveal. There's some treats coming. There's also some like classic stuff and and what's super exciting for me and actually not more exciting because i am very very excited about these casks um is that we're going to bring some of maggie's stuff over to the uk as well so 
uh, we, we've been talking about it for over a year. Um, and I'm super glad that we finally got, I'm just collecting all my other American stuff at the time. So we're just going, we've got some, actually we've got some uber crazy stuff. We've got Jeff the Creek, we've got Peerless, we've got Bray. So we're bringing over a whole load of uh, American bourbon whiskeys. Um, and then we got some rum. Run is going to sneak onto that ship and I'm so thrilled and so excited and we've had so many people reach out and say when can we get you in the UK when can you get you in the UK I'm like ask ask Dawn what she thinks because um, <laughs> <laughs> we're just finalizing pricing on a couple of things then and then we got to consolidate it I'm hoping I'm hoping for October now I was hoping for September but now it's definitely going to be probably October yeah but the Rona, I'm like, it'll get there when it gets there. Like our Velier Habitation release was supposed to come out in the spring here in the U.S. And I'm like, October? <laughs> like, it's just, it's Rona. It's going to happen. We all just got to be chill about it. But I'm so excited it's headed that way. I am Couldn't so be in better hands. More loving, amazing, yeah, skilled hands. And just tasting with you is a gift. No, tasting with you is awesome. And like Mitch and I just left that feeling so super excited. And yeah, Mitch isn't even a buyer. And Mitch was like, I like buying things. <laughs> <laughs> and I love like coming up with some of the, the labeling with you. That was really fun as well. So people get to see that when it's time. And what was funny is it was a real kind of, it was me, Andrew and Maggie, just we all were singing from the same hymn sheet, just from the back on the names. And it was really, really funny how it evolved because I think all of us put something into it, which means the names actually mean even more than they did when we started, which is so cool. Oh, it's so sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. And that's like, that's why I love the like, the co-creation, like we do it all together and it becomes so much bigger than if we'd just done something or you'd just done something, like we did something together. And I love that. You invest in it. And you know, like the whole thing about the, the, this, this world we live in and, and our spirits industry and our wine industry is we invest in people. We don't just invest in product. And you know, when you taste something, I want to taste the person, you know, I want to feel that I'm terroir is as much about the land and the soil and the cellar and the still and the blah, 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 as it is about the people. And, and I think we often forget that the people are what makes a product amazing, you know? <laughs> and I, I love that you share that because I feel like it, in a small way it does bring us back to the MW where <laughs> does this have a point of view? Is it saying something? You know, when you taste a wine, if that wine isn't saying something to you, if it's not like, hey, this is who I am and this is what I'm trying to accomplish and I nailed it and like this is how I look at the world and I want you to taste that, like, that wine's only so good, right? And like, this is such an important part of being an MW is when you're writing your answer that you have a point of view and that you can capture the point of view of like that wine. And I think when you and I taste, we taste the people and the intention and like what they were trying to say with what they were doing and did they say it well, um, which is a whole other side of the coin. We could go on about that for some time. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I remember at one student seminar having an hour long session on what is a flaw. And it uh, was just like, I thought some people were going to like throw chairs at some point, like people were just disagreeing on what a flaw was. And I'm like, oh my God. But you know what? It, 
when you don't sit down and critically think about like, where's my boundary there? Um, then you're not looking at like things as specifically if you, if you don't name it, you can't see it. If you don't learn that color's name, you, you're like, oh, it's an, an orange instead of like, it is this specific sunrise gold orange, you know? But also I think it's about, you know, what do you like? It doesn't matter if, okay, so we have, we have countries in the world that like sulfur in their whiskeys. Yeah. Uh, they like it, you know, like, because it's something they're familiar with in other products and other flavors that they have. And that's, that's fine. You know, that's, they have a lower tolerance than I do. I have a higher tolerance than somebody else. And we also have to remember, we all, we all have osmosnia about things. So there's certain, one out of every 10 people cannot taste black pepper. I'm like, how is that possible? Everyone can taste black pepper. But you know, it's, you've got to remember like culturally specific flavors. You, know, you don't go and say to someone in China, Christmas pudding in this whiskey or rum. <laughs> you go, what the fuck? And you've got to remember like certain people have certain tolerances and, and you know, I pick, I pick Brettanomyces up pretty strongly which is a kind of slightly sort of medicinal uh, meaty aroma and things and it's, it's a bacteria that can be good in certain instances and create that sort of savoriness but also can be really if it's overblown horrible and medicinal and tcp like and band-aid like you you know it's it's your tolerance is all different as humans you know we've got to remember that each of us have our own palate and i when i was a song I remember always used to be, oh, people used to go, oh, you need to match the wine and the food. I was like, fuck that. You need to match the person to the wine. And if it yes. goes, well, hell, that's a bonus. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. I love that you brought up Britannomyces. Um, <laughs> so uh, a type of wild yeast that can ferment much later in the game and completely out to like very hard dryness. And so um, if you, like, one of the things I love about, uh, I tasted a wine that was Phil Tuck's. It was from New Zealand and it had Brett in it. And in my quality note, I said, like, it has a note of barn, because I would never say the word Brett because I don't want to be wrong, barnyard and a hint of medicinal, which at this point offers a pleasing balance, but must be drank now if continued to age it would become very dry and hard on the finish and lose fruit, which is me saying this has a Britannomyces infection and you can drink it now, but it's going to continue fermenting in the bottle and not taste good in a while. And that didn't go very well, uh, even though I was correct. Um, but like on Calvados, uh, Brett is a really important factor in the flavor of Calvados. And like when I smell it in and around Calvados, it makes sense to me. Um, and when I get Calvados that are like very clean and Brett free, I'm like, oh, this tastes really modern, you know? <laughs> no, I mean, absolutely. And if you think about it, it's the same with beer and cider. You know, beer and cider, Britannomyces is hugely important in a lot of the Belgian beers. Um, you know, like if you, if you look at Calvados, and Calvados is something I'm super passionate about right now. And, you know, definitely for me as a spirit that I'm watching and I'm watching very closely. I buy direct from a couple of people because I really feel it's a category. We're bringing it into Cognac Show. We have a Cognac Show because we don't do enough. Um, so it was meant to come in this year to Cognac Show because I actually feel it's probably more of an exciting and dynamic um, category than Armagnac. And, you know, I, I love brands like Avalon, which are super clean, super fresh. You know, Avalon and Tonic, my God, fuck gin and tonic. I say fuck too much. 
Um, and you, you know, can say fuck here. We get the little gray on the explicit warning. We're fine. And you know, it's super fresh. It's lovely. Great summer drink. And it's a very clean Calvados. It's, it's super young fruit, and it's all about apples and primary fruits. Brilliant. Love it. But then I have Didier Le Morton, and he's Dom Fronte, which is the kind of the oh. heart of Calvados. And in Dom Fronte, you can use more pear, so you can use up to 70% pear, and he uses a very high proportion of pear in his. And they are just, oh, oh my A God. rustic Dom Fronte is like... Ah. Sex in a glass. Camus, Dulin, you know, like all of these guys. Hewitt, Hewitt, these kind of, and they're, they're funky, but they're in a really sort of sexy, juicy kind of way. And yeah, they, they get this like concentration of flavor that that funkiness like sits inside so that it's more complex as opposed to just like a one note funk. And like, for me, there's a lot of element of like how long were the apples cold cellared for? So like in wine, a cold soak is like a cold cellaring of apples. So like it changes the flavor immensely and like you can learn to taste for that. And then like if you get early season, so think about apples, like they're ripening in tranches. Like so one week you pull ripe apples, the next week you pull more and you're pressing and fermenting, but eventually you get to the end of season and what you've pressed is pressed. And then you're just trying to distill through the wine you have. So if you're distilling that earlier wine, the distillate is going to be less affected by this brett, which is a later and longer fermenting yeast. So you're going to have like these fresh fruity barrels that go down in your cellar. But then like you're getting into spring, you've been holding this wine for a few months, like you can't sulfur it because it'll damage the distillate. And you end up with these like far more brett affected barrels that become like a really cool blending component and like you can only really use those in some of your better selections because it has to have the flavor to stand up to it so it often becomes a signifier of like a higher quality blend and then it's like you get hooked on this aroma and you're like I love this which like also in Bordeaux I understand brett is part of the tapestry of the terroir but when I get it in other places I'm like no 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 honey you messed up this is bad <laughs> you know it's like anything you know if if you have balances a lot of people ask me how do you taste how do you assess quality and you know I'm doing this day to day day to day and you can have a 5 pound bottle of wine or a okay look let me take an example I tasted the Kingston range from uh, Appleton the other day. Outstanding. Value for money, outstanding. Is it complex? No. Is it interesting? Yes. And for freaking, I, I mean, what, I'm sub 20 or 20 pound or whatever it is. My God, that over delivers. I would drink that every day. And, you know, we've got to think about quality and context. And you know, I hate these people that say you should not bring and I'm sure I'm going to get shot for this now people who say that you should not bring price into judging or they they need their heads it's completely price. incorrect because time resources the quality of the oak and then also like does it hit the mark something I love about the masters of wine is you taste something and you say this could command a price of this many dollars because the fine aged French oak wood barrel, the extended elevage, the cellaring that added this complexity, the clearly like high selection of highest quality base ingredients 
for fermentation. <laughs> like it, it, it all costs money, guys. And like, yeah. Because you can have a really horrible product. I mean, okay, let's take rum for an example, because this is a good example. You're telling me that I shouldn't take into account the price of a bottle of, okay, let's take Plenipotentiario. Yay, I can say it. Yay, hey, <laughs> said it right. <laughs> something pounds. I shouldn't consider the price when I'm looking at that and judging it as a product in comparison to a what brand. What people will be paying for it. It will probably be around the same price. And I shouldn't look at price when I'm talking about this because if I taste that brand that should already name us that is 150 pounds and there's no complexity, there's no fucking depth to it, there's nothing, you're telling me I shouldn't take price into account because actually if I'm judging it, I'll just be like, oh, well, this is a great rum because it's in this category, so it has to be premium. Blah, blah, blah. You know what? Like for me, price is part of how you evaluate. I don't buy, if I, if I taste something and I like it, and then I see the price and it's, so say I taste it, and I think, you know, that's a really nice product. And in my head, I'm thinking that should be about 45 pounds. If I find out it's 65 pounds, I'd be like, that was a nice product. It didn't earn its due, yeah. If someone came in and spent $65, they would go home and be like, I'm disappointed. But if someone came in and spent 25 pounds, and it was like, hot damn. Yeah, you know, you've got to take into account. I would much rather take price into account. And I know I'm going to get shot like nine times over, but you know. As a producer, I look at price from two directions. So say I'm tasting rum bar over proof silver. And I taste it and I say, it's higher in proof, so it's going to cost a little more because it costs more to put more alcohol in the bottle. But you know what? It's fresh, bright, fruity flavors. This hasn't been aged. Um... And yeah, there's some like really rich ester complexity. So there is a blend of some like powerful distillate in here that fermented longer and that's an added expense, but it's simple, it's approachable, it's accessible. I don't have to dig deep for flavor. It's immediate pleasure. I can tell like it probably costs about this much to make this. And also in that price category, like this is fucking great for that price this is a really amazing bottle. Whereas if I taste something that's like brown in color and one note sweetness and like whatever, I'm like, oh, so this is a boardroom brand trying to appeal to the masses, offend no one, but say nothing to anyone. And it doesn't have personality. It's not offering a depth or complexity or a concentration. And there's nothing more here. It's very one note. This has probably got some really nice packaging because that's what's going to sell this, not flavor. So it could probably command this amount of money, but like, honestly, for that same price, I could get something Uh from Mount Gay and it would be amazing and so much better. And like, you have to think about like how, for me, I'm thinking how much did it cost to make this and how much are people willing to pay? And then in what category does this sit and what's the competitive set? Because like (laughs) Rumbar Silver, it sits in a pretty tight competitive set, which are all really high quality for the price. If you're thinking J Ray or Rumbar. My own personal, like, zhuzh and style, like, I really love the rum bar silver. That's what I keep at my house. Um, And, yeah, so for me, it's, like, it's so important to know, like, what could this price command? What would it be up against? And is this, like, 
for this style, this is fucking killing it. It's so important to know. Absolutely. You know, like if I, we take Worthy Park, I think Worthy Park is the best value for money rum because, like, so we made Worthy Park um, Set Reserve our rum of the well, our spirit of spirit the year. Spirit of the year. The whiskey exchange named a rum spirit of the year. That was a very good day for all rum people, all rum kinds. <laughs> Two years in a row because uh, the Dorley is, I was gutted actually because I wanted. So when we picked, um, I think was it, was it the year before we picked XO, I think is around the year, and literally 14 had just come out. And I was like, Richard, you couldn't have freaking moved that like a freaking month before. So just so everyone knows, I drunk dial Richard normally at about 2, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning on fairly regular basis. I've like, heard the legend. I've witnessed one. I felt very loved to be included in one of those. <laughs> I'll be going on the tube. I'll be like, who can I phone? Oh, Richard is awake. <laughs> and then I talk at Richard for some time. So whatever you need to know is that Richard is missing my hugs right now. Richard admitted this. Wow. Public space. So I'm allowed to say that he is missing my hugs. Wow. I just didn't even know that. That's like, I'm raising my hand. Like, that's that's real deal. Uh, that's real deal. Yeah, I miss those guys, the seal pups. I miss the seal pups a lot. So, yeah. And I've yeah. got an uber exciting um, land, yeah. Mr. Seal, coming is first of September. Yeah, I was going to say, I've seen a couple little revealing revealing shots that's very exciting that's just so cool super exciting so we've got some really cool stuff coming through the pipeline actually um just working on maybe a couple of other things which should be super cool because like i i really want to do more rums with people um because i think it's it's what my passion is i, I like whiskey whiskey's great but it's not rum that's exactly how I feel having started in the whiskey world. It's like, I love whiskey. I love my whiskey people. I learned so much. Rum is a big world. And when you like open that wardrobe and like walk in, you're like, this is a whole nother universe and nothing else is like it. So kind of <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so, so thank much. Maggie. <laughs> oh, I adore you. I really appreciate this call um, and this talk and your time. And I'm really excited to be working with you. And we'll reveal a little bit more as time goes on. Um, but yes, UK, watch watch her space. <laughs> and whiskey show, watch her space. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah, I can't wait to watch your whiskey show. It's going to be amazing. Uh, well, thank you and love you and everyone in the UK. Stay safe. Um, we miss you, but hopefully we'll see you on the other side. Cheers. Thank you for spending your time with us today. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Don Davies, and we've got more technical and detailed podcasts coming up for you. You can find us at Privateer Rum on Instagram and Privateer Rum on Facebook. And my personal handle is at Half Pint Maggie. Please join us next time. Cheers, stay safe.